Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission: to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking through compliance, episode fifty-seven: the Enterprise Incident. In this episode of Tracking Through Compliance, we consider the episode The Enterprise Incident, which aired on September 27, 1968, and occurred on Stardate 5031.3. Story synopsis. Apparently suffering from the stress of command, Kirk begins to become irritable and irrational. He even orders the Enterprise across the neutral zone into Romulan space. Despite sensor scans, which show nothing within a parsec, the Enterprise is immediately surrounded by three Romulan cruisers. Kirk promptly sends a coded subspace message to Starfleet Command, apprising them of the situation. Subcommander Tall of the Romulan fleet demands immediate surrender of the Enterprise, then allows it one hour to decide. Meanwhile, the Romulans allow Kirk and Spock to beam aboard for an interrogation by the Romulan commander. Two Romulans are simultaneously beamed aboard the Enterprise as hostages. Kirk claims navigational errors led to the Enterprise straying into Romulan space, but Spock refuses to corroborate his story. Spock then says the strain of command has led Kirk to act irrationally and reports that Kirk ordered the Enterprise across the neutral zone on his own initiative and is not sane. Spock continues to act as a traitor in testifying against Kirk, and the Romulan commander convic- convicts Kirk of espionage and courts Spock to join the Romulans as commander of the Enterprise under Romulan command. The Romulan commander takes a special interest in Spock, and Spock uses the opportunity to seduce her. Kirk is injured while trying to escape detention, and McCoy is allowed to beam aboard to treat him. McCoy corroborates Spock's testimony that Kirk is not fit for command and that he has been under extreme stress. Spock then agrees to take command of the Enterprise and lead it to a Romulan base. Upon saying this, he's immediately attacked by Kirk and defends himself using the Vulcan Death Grip. Of course, there's no such thing as the Vulcan Death Grip. The Romulans don't know that. The dead Kirk is then returned to the Enterprise with McCoy. Amazingly, it turns out that Kirk and Spock have been operating under Federation orders to steal the newly developed Romulan cloaking device and that Spock has only given Kirk a nerve pinch in order to simulate death. Back aboard the Enterprise, Kirk is disguised as a Romulan centurion with the aid of plastic surgery to his ears and being back to the Romulan ship. Reports to Spock by communicator that the cloaking device is located near the commander's quarters. The communication is detected, but Spock is able to distract the Romulan commander who has changed into an evening gown at Spock's request. Long enough to enable Kirk to seal the cloaking device, which looks like a white sphere with a protuberance on top. The Romulan commander is outraged by Spock's treachery and further nonplussed when he asks her straightforwardly, what the present Romulan method of execution is. Spock gains another delay by demanding the Romulan right of statement. Before before Spock can finish, Scott locates him and beams him aboard the Enterprise. However, the Romulan commander is able to grab onto Spock and be transported with him. Kirk attempts to use the Romulan commander as a hostage, but the scheme backfires when she orders Tal to destroy the Enterprise immediately. Luckily, Scott is able to connect the cloaking device to the shield as the Enterprise speeds away at warp 9. Thus cloaked, the Enterprise disappears from Romulan centers and escapes back to Federation territory. While accompanying the Romulan commander to the brig, Spock reveals to her in confidence that he was not 
entirely unaffected by her charms. Fun fact, accredited screenwriter Dorothy D.C. Fontana attempted to warn Roddenberry about fan reaction as Spock were allowed to behave out of character by having a romantic scene with the Romulan commander. Even with Nimoy's restrained gestural contact, Fontana was flooded with letters from fans. Aware of the pond far and believing it meant Vulcans had sex only once every seven years, they complained that the scene was out of character. To remedy this, years later, Fontana wrote sex scenes into the Vulcan glory on TNG, establishing the pond far only as a fertility cycle and that Vulcans can have sex anytime. So what are the compliance takeaways from this episode? The first is, occasionally you're going to have to say no as a chief compliance officer. Otherwise, you're just going to be a wet dish rag. And uh, how do you speak uh, truth to power? Well, you know, obviously sometimes you have to say no, but you can give uh, backup reasons for it. Uh, You can cite, of course, your own code of conduct, your own policies and procedures, if there are laws, of course, uh, such as the FCPA or others. But I thought about an article I read from the undercover economist uh, Tim Harford, who said that no from an economic perspective is adopting a rule that no new task can be deferred. If it, must, if it is accepted, it must be priority, meaning that if you say no to something, it's because the opportunity cost in uh, economics simply is too great. And that's usually an argument that persuades many businessmen that uh, no is the right answer. So uh, channel your inner uh, Ronnie Reagan, and sometimes you just have to say no. Obviously, the communications between Spock and the Romulan commander are a big part of this uh, episode, and it got me thinking about how do you communicate around across culture, cultural boundaries as a chief compliance officer or a compliance uh, professionals? Well, uh, let me suggest to you there are five steps uh, that can help you in this. Number one, Adapt the way you express disagreement. Number two, know when to bottle it up and when to let it pour out. Number three, learn about how other cultures build trust. Number four, avoid yes or no questions. And number five, be careful about putting it in writing. Obviously, these are uh, non-American ways of thinking about things, but as a compliance professional or chief compliance officer for a multinational company, they are things that I think you need to... uh, be cognizant of, particularly when communicating with people outside of the United States. And compliance lesson number three is tailoring your message, not only tailoring it to the right audience, but have you chosen the best structure possible to communicate that message? And are you offering compliance takeaways? I hope you'll join me tomorrow for another episode of Trekking Through Compliance when we take up the episode, The Paradise Syndrome. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.